Well, hello, folks, and welcome back to another edition of the Ferro Mental Podcast. I am your host, Raul. We, as always, we got my boy Alex on the ride with us. Uh, so what's up to all the firmamentalists out there? Uh, we're not going to get into too much housekeeping. I did the big announcement yesterday about Scipio and Dispatches for Reality joining the team. And we're also going to start promoting Talking Stit podcast. Um, so be looking out for those two podcasts joining along with the, with the firm fam. And be looking out for these new additions coming up to the website. Um, remember, rate, share, subscribe, push this show out, get this information out. We believe it's important. We truly believe in this. Um, Alex, um, I'll let, let Alex go ahead and introduce tonight's guest because Alex actually made a connection with this individual and I know he invited him to come on the show. So I'm going to let Alex go ahead and uh, in- introduce our guest tonight, Alex. Hey, everybody. I just want to introduce you to uh, my new friend, Brian Muka from the Freedom Sherpa. He's down in uh, Florida and I put in notes his book. He's read a little bit to me and I can't wait to pick up a copy and I'm just really excited for everybody to hear um, uh, J- Brian's journey. I mean, I, I heard just a little bit and I, I can't wait to hear more. So I told him he has to come on to the, I dragged him onto the podcast, hopefully not kicking and screaming. And uh, I just want to say welcome, Brian. I'm just really glad that you're here today. Alex, thanks, man. I really had a transformative experience with you and your beautiful wife. And uh, my life is changing having just been around you. So thank you for the, the bibbidi-bobbidi-boop. Thanks very much. It must be because we're doing firmamental. We're doing we're doing it's the firmamental magic, man. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh I guess what everybody wants to know is who who is Brian Muka? Like uh give us a little bit of your background, a little bit of your story. What what uh you know, give me some of that magic that made made me want you to come on the show and uh, share your wisdom with us. Isn't that the question? Who is who is me? uh it's, it's shifting right like just be real with your audience i don't, I don't know the answer to that and uh just my whole life uh it's certainly a lot bigger than i've uh allowed you know so uh grew up in new jersey uh boy scouts sea cadets uh, i i knew I, I wanted to join the military uh, uh i think top gun is probably the best recruiting video that the navy ever put out uh got me you know, and uh, I wanted to fly fighter planes, and then I wanted to be an astronaut. You know, and I was six in the adult section of the uh, the library, read about Werner von Braun, and I wanted to be a steely-eyed missile man, and I wanted to fly at god speed. Right, like they didn't have a word for how fast these test pilots were flying, like five miles a second instead of five seconds a mile. And I just, I, as as I as I learned. Uh, every one of my uh, incarnations, I've been an explorer and a heretic. And uh, this go round's no different. Um, you know, time on the tall sailing ships, you know, I was a Navy officer and, and I've seen those dreams and became a pirate and then part of Ernest Shackleton's expedition. I see, like, that's a spooky story. We can dig into that more. Uh, the Apollo launch affects me, you know, Apollo 1 or the burn pad. Like, I weep when I see that. I think like I knew those guys. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, in this incarnation, I, I didn't become an astronaut. I thought I wanted to run nuclear power plants underwater on submarines, inner space instead of outer space. I spent time on the USS Olympia, uh, five days on the beach in Saipan, which is a good deal. And then five days inside the belly of a submarine, which is like living in a clock. And I was quickly cured of my desire to join the submarine Navy. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, my dad thinks I'm an idiot in that uh, I became a bomb technician instead. So, um, you know, I, I just knew it. I just, I just knew that that felt right. So I've, I've been on this exploration of, of learning how to widen the gap between, you know, stimulus and response. And I get into the story how I got to that. I fired early what I thought from what I, I thought was my dream job. You know, spec ops guy, James Bond. And uh, as, I, as I learned this week, like this is all real time and raw. The thing I was most ashamed about was actually like my biggest gift. And, um, you know, I was at this event on Friday. It was a, a Bible study and I have an interesting relationship with Christianity, Gnostic, Christian, that, you know, we dig more into that too. The guy that was talking, he was talking about enlisting in God's crusade. And I went back to Iraq. And I had just been fired uh, from being a platoon commander, marooned uh, on the other side of the world. I wasn't well prepared. I was too afraid to ask for help. And uh, my boss really had it out for me. He thought I didn't deserve to, to wear the crab, the EOD badge. And um, suicide looked like a really attractive offer, you know? And I had church and my guitar. We built the most badass CrossFit gym. And like, I figured out how to get that funded. And uh, I had Skype. And I had a young sailor to mentor, and you you take away any any one of those pieces, and I'm not sitting on your podcast. Wow. So it's been this, this this whole journey of you know how do we go on the belly and extract treasure? So I you know true seeker heretic, um, really passionate about helping people unlock the the serfdom or the slavery that it's locked from the inside. You know, and we're conditioned to do that and. It's been an interesting journey so far, and this is yet to come. Yeah, so um, a little bit about your career. So like a bomb technician, man. Like what's the job details of a bomb technician? That just sounds crazy to me. It's, uh, it's, so how do you get somebody to sit on, you know, 35 tons worth of explosives in a space shuttle? You, know, <laughs> you, like, you like work your way up to it until it becomes not a big deal, you know? So, uh, so the selection process for that was easy. It was interesting. You know, we had to good, have good grades and, you know, there's the, the, the PFT, the physical, uh, fitness test. So pull up swimming, you know, I spent a lot of time staring at the black line at the bottom of the pool and, you know, tens of thousands of pull ups and, you know, but, uh, really the biggest thing was like the belief, you know, I had a mentor, Sean Simmons, Naval Academy guy. He was his class leader, Buzz. I just remember one morning at physical training, he's like, you need to join our EOD PT, explosive ordnance disposal. And uh, I was like, I have no business in that. He goes, you just rode your bike 60 miles yesterday morning and you didn't think twice about it. This is your group. Start showing up twice a week. And I like, I like love the way it sucked. You know, there's something yeah. interesting about in that time of my life, I was a masochist. Like I didn't think I was worth very much. I had no idea who I was. So when you asked me, Alex, like, who am I? I didn't know the answer to that for a really long time. I'm whoever you need me to be. You know, and, and that's a blessing and a curse. And I can still do that. Like, who do you need me to be in this podcast? Right? I'll show up that way to a degree. Um, firstborn, we just talked about that before the show. When my dad would be proud, you know? Uh, anyway, so um, I didn't have a backup plan. And um, I knew that's what I wanted to be. I started training with the guys at Dead Earl, New Jersey. I didn't know anybody else in college that was actually training with the bowl unit or the, the short attachments. 
And um, my dad was teaching at Lockheed Martin. He's a Lean Six Sigma master black belt. That's what he was doing for Lockheed. And uh, he, he had the Navy there, uh, Aegis ships. And this lieutenant commander was in his class. And he's like, hey, I, I coordinate the summer trainings uh, for the academy. Uh, oh, cool. My, my son's a midshipman. Uh, he does ROTC at Drexel. Oh, cool. What's he want to do? He's crazy. He wants to be a bomb technician. And this lieutenant commander goes, I run that training. We've never had a Navy ROTC guy join our trade. He's welcome to. Tell him to get a set of orders. And if you can do that, meet us in Virginia Beach and you know, he can trail us for two weeks. He told me that. Like immediately I went to my unit. I'm like, hey, I'm going to, to uh, Little Creek. I'm going to train with special operations. They're like, we're not writing the orders. I'm like, well, what if I pay for them? What if you give me no cost orders? We're like, oh, that's easy. Spent $438, drove down to Virginia Beach where I would eventually live and be stationed. We jumped out of airplane, uh, helicopters. We blew up flare pods from the F-14. Um, it was hard and it was like the interesting kind of hard. You know, yeah. I remember being, being in the top of the push-up position, trying to teach our classmate like how to tie a bullet been demonstrated so you're like this is what it's like to do operations on a radio i'm like this is my this is where i'm meant to be i want to earn one of those like two inch riggers belt to clip into the helicopter like i, don't, I could buy one but i want to earn one you know like a like a black belt so i left there came home i lit every candle in church said god please if this is possible like it's what i want to do and i was sitting in a in a, in a college class with my training partners and i got a call it was my uh, Lieutenant Shapiro. And he's like, Brian, I just want to tell you, you got it. And I was like, what? You got it. No, I don't understand. What? Do you, what? You, you got it? He says, what part about you're going to be an explosive ordinance disposal officer you're not getting? I could, guys, I couldn't believe it. Wow. And that's, that's a really important part of the story because I thought that I had, I cheated. Yeah, I had good grades and I had all the physical fitness scores, but I, I changed the game. You know, like I networked my way. So I don't, I didn't really earn a spot. Like if I had gone about this, how everybody, you wouldn't have picked me, you know, and I showed up to the unit that way. Um, so that's kind of like the basis for the book, you know, the, the self-doubt and, and that type of shit. Um, and and what's cool. the name of this book? Oh, it's called your secret superpower came fear to thrive. Okay. It's the, the guidebook of the avalanche that I created to then create a, a field manual of how to survive after being buried alive and not knowing which way was up. That very much part of the story. It was amazing, man. You know, I spent, you know, uh, I learned how to uh, dive scuba and these rebreathers and man, I trained my ass off. Like, like it was really fun being at dive school. The mornings that I woke up and I'm like, you can't hurt me today. They couldn't. And the mornings that I woke up with, I don't know, today could be the day. Like it could be the day. But um, I think I was, I was overprepared, you know, the running and the PT was, it was, it was all a mental game. It was 40 days being beat from six o'clock in the morning until lunch. They couldn't stop lunch. And um, this guy, Bruce, remember one How day- you during this time period, if you don't mind me asking too, just, just to get like sure. more of a mental picture of this time of your life, how old are you when you're going through this experience? I was 22. I, I just graduated yeah. college. My commission as an ensign in the Navy. Yep. So, um, so, so go back to where you left off. Yeah. Yeah. This Sorry. is a cool story. Um, this guy, Bruce from South Africa, 
I just remember one day we're, we're, they were like rolling us in the sand until we would vomit. And um, he was, he was hurting. And like, you know, when you look at a man's face and he's like about to break, like Bruce, hey man, they can't stop lunch, right? We're almost there. It's 11, 11.45. Hang out. Like, you got this, you know? And, uh, you know, so we finished that evolution. Fast forward a year, we're at underwater at EOD school. So that's at Eglin Air Force Base. That was at Panama City. And, and every day, almost every day, so like day one, you would learn something new. The afternoon, you would practice. The next morning, you would be tested on it. And uh, if you failed the test, you retested the next day. And if you failed that test, you were done. That was the end of your career, you know? And uh, I remember we were underwater and I was, st- I don't burpee well. So we were doing eight cal bodybuilders, which is what the Navy calls burpees. And I was just sucking. Like I'm like five behind. And we're in the lean and rest. Bruce looks over me. He goes, hey man, you can't stop breakfast. And like he had held on to that for a year. You know what I mean? Like it was just such a little, it was just such a little kindness, you know? So uh, as, as fate would have it, uh, the first real division is ground, so you get to like learn ordnance identification, mines, and rockets. And I, I wasn't good at it. Like I noticed the idiosyncrasies, and I, I, I like overthought it. I failed. I failed at uh, that first test, and then I came back and I worried and I studied all night. And I came back and I failed it again. So I spent. So because my grade point average, they rounded up. I got to continue. Um. Spent five five weeks in underwater, like learning fancy work and how to dive better. And I had five weeks to think about how worry is not a performance enhancing drug. And so once I was through that, the worry, you know, I wouldn't say it was easy, but I started to learn EOD school and how to how to win at that game. Um, you know, I got sent to some really cool shooting schools and Secret Service missions all over the world. I got to direct a presidential motorcade fifteen feet one day. Um, it was neat, you know, uh, a typical work week, you know, Monday we could be doing dive operations. Tuesday we could be at the demo range blowing up cars. I have a cool video on my iPhone about that. Uh, you know, Wednesday could be shooting range. Thursday could be, you know, skydiving operations. And then Friday, get on a plane with two passports to Spain, protecting the president or the vice president. Like that was my life. It was pretty awesome. Very, the first half, the first half was at least. Yeah, very interesting. So, uh, so at this point, you're graduated. You're in the field. You're working. You're you're you know you got this exciting you know work week where you're doing all this <laughs> from one extreme to another, right? And then from one part of the world to another. Um, bring us more up to speed of of like where your career advances and where you start to get into like you know wherever you hit this proverbial you know, wall or whatever that you said you had to, you know, uh, get through. Every Monday morning, we had a staff meeting and these were guys that operated in like SEAL Team 6, like actual snake eaters. And I would look around the table and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm not like the rest of these guys. Like these are, these are like hard men, you know, like I tri- like I tricked everybody. I have no business being here. You know, that was the story, at least that I told myself. So that was happening the whole time. Uh, we did, uh, we, we took our unit to Bahrain. I worked with this guy, Hot Rod. He was a, he was a dev guy. And, um, 
took me under his wing. He like, it was challenging to prove my worth to him, but I was really proving my worth to myself. And yeah. um, so we finished that deployment and uh, the chief that I worked with, Aaron, uh, he's like, I want to work with Muka. That's my lieutenant. He's a great guy. He's got great values. I want to work with him. So we did a whole training cycle. And um, I was the first, we were the first year group that didn't go to a Navy ship first to learn officership. So we graduated D school, went straight to the mobile unit and it was kind of a shit show. You know, I, I take full responsibility. Like I, I didn't measure up, I think because I, I didn't, I didn't ask for help. Uh, I didn't think I was enough. And like that was viewed as weakness, you know? And, uh, so anyway, so, so Aaron and I get our, our team ready to deploy and as we're getting ready to go out and leave, uh, Aaron learns that his dad is dying of cancer. So Aaron's spending more time there. And uh, I was like, Aaron, you got to be with your dad, man. Like, we're getting ready to support uh, the Iraqis in their election. You know, this is in uh, 08 to 09. I never had a combat deployment before. I knew I was pretty much sealing my fate when I was like, Aaron, spend, spend the first couple of weeks with your with your father because i didn't think i could live with if if aaron had got blown up by an explosive device an improvised explosive device i'd have to live with that that was my fault you know that was a failure of leadership mm. and i i knew that i had sealed my fate like i had no idea what the fuck i was doing you know and thankfully it wasn't that busy you know i got to go on a few incident calls but before you knew it like it just wasn't a good setup and my boss at the time thought I didn't deserve to be in the community. He was probably right. I mean, I, at least I agreed with him. And then the next thing I know, I was fired as a platoon commander there. And then I was relegated to the uh, night watch captain. So my day started at 8 o'clock at night. I'd work till 8 o'clock in the morning, handle my collateral duties. And it was awful. You know, I, I got to like take in all of the uh, post-blast reports, all my friends all my peers were out actually operating and I'm like, I'm doing PowerPoint presentations in a desert, you know? And, and I don't know if I self segregated or like there's something wrong with Muka. So, you know, he's not one of us. And, you know, for four and a half months, I was on the other side of the world. I started training for a marathon. Uh, it was just, it was, it was lonely, you know, and hard. And I was ashamed and I failed and, you know, if you had taken away church, my guitar, CrossFit, or, you know, a young sailor I mentored or Skype, I'm not here on the call with you guys. Like suicide looked like a pretty attractive offer at that time. Wow. So, so you're falling into this, you know, you, like you said, kind of this self-segregation or that's, that's the way you reflect back on it, right? You kind of see that that's what you were doing or, you know, that people are noticing something you get relegated to this task that you don't really want to be on you feel kind of outcasted you have these things that are keeping you alive and keeping you going giving you a reason to live um and i was going to ask too like what was what was uh like were you in a relationship with a woman at this time where did you have connections to your family like you talked about kind of skype was like a big deal for you like what was the connections like from from to where you were on your on that side of the the earth's planes <laughs> were flat earth. So that's what I always say. But, uh, you know, to being over there on that side of the world, to, to being over here, you know, and, uh, 
like give us like kind of a clue of, of, of where this next transition is happening. And, and, and I have a feeling you're going to get into this, this very dark period of your life. Yeah, man. Uh, so no kids, so, right? No kids either. No right. kids. I, uh, married. Um, yeah, I, I met, a, I met, uh, this lady, Jessica, uh, my 21st birth, uh, 22nd birthday. Uh, and, um, so, you know, fast forward, we're, we married, we did the justice of the peace right before this deployment. Mostly like we were going to do the church wedding. I grew up Catholic. So that was a really big deal to my family. So, um, you know, we would chat, uh, and it was the most frustrating thing ever. Like, like imagine the distance between you and your sweetheart, right? And you just want to reach through the fucking screen and, you know, you're 6,000 miles away. And it couldn't, yeah. it might as well have been on the other side of the mode, you know? Um, you know, my family, my mom and dad and brother and sister and I are like really close. So once a week, you know, a Saturday morning for me, let's see. Sunday morning for me would be like their Saturday afternoon or something, something like that. And, uh, so we had like a weekly call. I always look forward to that. Um, kind of, yeah, as I think about it, like I kind of feel like I got my wish being an astronaut. I felt like I was in another world. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite memories was, um, February 13th, it rained and it smelled like the ocean instead of the incinerator. And I was like, man, I missed, I missed the sea. I missed the grass, you know? And so on Valentine's day, all these wildflowers sprouted. And I took a picture of the most rare flowers I thought on the planet for Valentine's day to send it Jessica. And, uh, somehow I endured Somehow I made it through, you know? And, and as I, as I zoom out, uh, I was, I was actually thinking about this this week, uh, Friday, I was at a prayer. Bible networking thing. The guy talking, he spent some time in prison, uh, 20 years actually. He was talking about enlisting in God's crusade. Uh, and I was thinking about Iraq and like, uh, you know, I don't think about this very much anymore, but you know, how easy it w would have been to go home, you know, like that yearning experience, oneness. I've had a near death experience, you know, plant medicine, that, that type of thing. And, you're going to go home, you know? And uh, I, I share this with him because uh, it was, this guy was forged, you know? Yeah. He's like, man, the thing that you're most ashamed of. And he, he used God, and I think this is true self in my case. I don't know. But he said, uh, the apple of God's eye, you get extra. You got to go through the extra because there's a bigger mission for you. And like with a single line of dialogue and 12 years worth of therapy and journaling and running a book and plant medicine and like, like putting the reps in, like the circuit finally completed of like, no, I needed to go through that. And uh, the faith and trust that I would endure, right? So it, uh, it sort of feels like shaman training. And you know, recently there's been a lot of dark energetic attacks that I just happen to hold space for. Like, yeah. I, being that, you know, when you, when you peer into the darkness, and um, I did a I did a breathwork journey uh, about a year ago, and uh, you know, I a Wim Hof uh, master certified, and uh, breath has been an amazing modality for me in, in the healing and the download process, and 
with this group and start breathing. And the second phase was like to start roaring like a lion. And I felt it all. Like I felt the whole room's darkness passing through me. And, and I just let the whole room kind of like the diamond pressure on my chest into this bottom of the, felt like the Marriott Strats. I'd never been this deep pressure wise. And uh, my lady was there, Dawn, and she was right. So I had like an anchor point and it was just full scent. Went to the bottom. And in the bottom, I saw, I saw this like obsidian reflective rock. And I was like, what is in the bottom of all this darkness? And on the other side of the rock was my face. And I went like this. Boop. And I realized that I was both. I was both the lightness and the darkness. And in the bottom, uh, just my guide asked, can you move in the dark energy, in the heaviness? Yeah, I can. And then the darkness became hydraulic fluid. Like I can move that. And it was just, it was just so neat. It was so neat to be that far deep and have, have that connection. And then I started with my gift, pushing other, helping people facilitate their darkness back to, back to source. And I just, I felt this massive expansion of my capacity to love and forgive and mm. transmutate. So, so without the suicide, I just, that's just the title of it. My time in Iraq, right? One, one time in Iraq, um, yeah, it was the preparation, you know, for this, for this inner journey, right? So, so the, so explosive war disposal, you know, nighttime skydive operation, secret service, like, you know, cool guy, high speed, outer, yeah, it's like the edge, the edge of like what we could do militarily. And then, um, the inner journey, right? That seventh direction. Can I, can I ask you something in regards to this for the listeners that aren't, aren't, aren't too? So I, I can't recall the name of the breathing technique that you said you were using, but I, this is just might be some questions that I think the listeners might have. And so just further extrapolate, you know, uh, on, on this process, this breathing technique, uh, you said you're using plant-based medicine. Is this just, is this just purely breathing techniques that you're getting in a transcendental state in? And, and, and this is like, uh, almost like a meditational state you're in, or is it that combined with plant-based medicine or, you know what I mean? Uh, this process where you get to this, this, uh, spiritual place that you're, you're spiritually there, but it almost seems like you're physically there as well. So can you just kind of explain that process to the listeners that don't understand and, and just rename that breathing technique? Sure. So, um, in my, in my work with my therapist, Talia. Uh, the first book I read, like to start put me back together, was Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And and the and the biggest takeaway from that book was the the space between stimulus and response. There's 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 our only freedom, and it's our freedom to choose. And mm-hmm. some somehow I learned that the breath was that space. And so I studied with Wim Hof, uh, the Wim Hof method, you know, the breathing in the ice bath. That proved to be really really handy in terms of the brain chemistry and changing the blood gases and, and that, that type of thing. So, um, I trained with Wim on, um, the 20th of August of 2018. And I know that because a week before that, I'm like, why don't I do this every day? Like, I'm going to go meet Wim. Why don't I just make this, like, it's so good. Why don't I just add this to the daily repertoire? So 13th of April, 2018, I began my breath streak. And I've done breath work every day since. 
So, so part of the technique is, is, is one part of it, but the consistency. So spending 10, 15, sometimes an hour at a time every day, uh, it, it compounded. So it became a really powerful uh, medicine, right? And uh, for that particular breathing story, it was holotrophic breath work. So, you know, my body's making endocannabinoids and DMT and, and those things. So that wow. experience was enhanced by self-made medicine. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And you know, if, you're, if you're listening to this, you're like, that sounds amazing. I can't wait to become a breath junkie. Uh, <laughs> it is possible to abuse all the drugs, even if you make them yourself. So I, I, I chased that white rabbit for a long time to explode in the other world, chasing that, that DMT breath experience. So it's now really hard to get there. So don't do that. Yeah. That's wild because, you know, I, I, I myself have never really experienced, I mean, obviously like praying and, you know, learning to, you know, deal with my anger and my rage as I've, as I've grown older, I'm 45 years old now. But I can relate to at least like learning that you have to take a deep breath and center yourself when you're about to make a, a rash decision, right? And breathing kind of brings you back in. Like it brings, it, it literally brings energy and clarity to your mind. Like if when, when you get in these moments of frustration, we have the, the tendency not to breathe or just lose our breath, right? Or yell or scream or, or act out or do something physical. So I can see like where, you know, I, I use it, but, um, as far as like the other side, you know, with the, with hallucinogenics and stuff, I've definitely used those on my spiritual journey and not so much anymore. You know, I might do it once a year, you know, at, at the ranch with, with my best friend in mother nature, you know, and I do it for a very specific reason. I don't like back in the day, I was just doing it just to get high and get her walk around and watch walls breathe. You know what I mean? And, and listen to Pink Floyd and. <laughs> you know, have that whole, you know, and, uh, but I got to the point where I, I was abusing them. So, uh, but it's crazy to me to hear that you can internally produce that stuff and, and access it internally without having to externally take it because I've had it, I've had DMT experiences, I've had ayahuasca experiences, obviously psilocybin and all this stuff. So it's, it's pretty intense to hear of these experiences. And I did want to bring up one thing and I'm going to shoot it back your way, Brian and, and, and Alex, feel free to get in too, if you have any questions, but, um, I don't know, like uh, I've recently heard like, you know, God's name is so holy, like we can't even, we, we can't even actually pronounce the real, but you know, Yahweh wouldn't, and we added the A and the E in there, right? It's actually Y-H-W-H. And what it is, is actually, I've learned that Yah was the breath in and was the, was the breath out. So literally from the time where we're, yeah. we're born and we're gasping our first breath and we're exhaling, you're saying the name of God. And then when we die and we exhale and we breathe our last breath, we're saying the name God. It's, but it's so holy, you know, have you heard this? I, I have not. Um, I, um, where my mind goes, you share that is the 150th song. And, uh, it's my favorite verse in the Bible. Let every breath praise the Lord. And so let's get into the mechanics of that just for a second. So uh, I, I came up Catholic, so you know, praying the rosary is how I got through dive school when I was getting abused in the bottom of the pool for you know light, medium, heavy hits. Uh, you know, saying the rosary, I was just waiting, spinning circles, waiting to get attacked. Uh, 
The Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. It's about five and a half seconds. Six-ish. Uh, om, ami, bemi, om. About six seconds. Isn't that interesting? So what we find with tidal breathing is 5.5 seconds in, 5.5 seconds out, equates to 5.5 liters and 5.5 breaths per minute. There's something really holy about that, and it's universal in the, in the highest practitioners of yogi, Buddhist, uh, even Christian mystic. So, yeah, and I just learned that 555 is the, is the number of, of the angels, three fives. Yeah. I like it. So yeah. Every breath, praise the Lord. And so now, instead of chasing the DMT blast off experience, so that's like helpful in the beginning, right? It's like, that's cool. It's novel. Like, look what I can do, right? Five-year-old discovers Legos. That's how, you know, <laughs> we get induced into this. Now, it's really interesting as I'm doing the breath, studying a lot about uh, blessed are the pure of heart. Like the heart is the spring through the quantum field and sending love and messages and all that stuff. And so now as I'm breathing, I'm breathing straight through the heart. Ah. And when I put a finger on my heart, it creates this coherence that tunes the mind to the heart. So the mantra is, let my mind be the weapon of my heart. In this style of breath, it's not just resonance. It's not just heart rate math. It's, it's actually much bigger than that. So the, the breathing mechanics, in my humble opinion, it's not just mine, but um, 10% is the mechanics. The box breath, the triangle breath, the colors, the numbers, the whatever. Uh, it's important and then not that important. You know, there's some finer points about the inhale and the exhale. And, but really, the space between the breaths is really powerful. But what's even more powerful is like the Neville Goddard and the Alan Watts and the power of the imagination, how the second coming of Christ could already be here in our mind, right? Our imagination, what we. You know, when we pray, um, expect it's already done. Well, how, how do you do that, right? Um, because if we pray for like, hey, I really need some more money. Well, the vibration actually being set out is need. You know, mm -hmm. most of us are, are taught to beg as slaves, right? As beggars. Where, you know, really, really affecting the quantum field is already being in it. Already experiencing the wealth and the health or the sailboat in my case. We sell that thing every night before I go to sleep. So what I learned in my life is that because I felt unworthy, I attracted more unworthiness uh, evidence everywhere, you know? And um, recently been studying Mickey Singer and the Surrender Experiment. And we get all these opportunities. It's like, it's a, as if this is a game. So just, you know, flatter me just for a second. Like, what if this is actually the matrix? And it's a simulation. We can prove that. Because when I look with my, the power of my regard changes light from waves into particles. And when I look away, they turn back into waves, like a simulation. And it's just so interesting how the power of the heart and the breath, if I'm radiating love, so my, one of my favorite breath practices is to breathe in Christmas Eve at the Mooka household in Hamilton, New Jersey. The same house, fireplace, the music, the food. And it, it changes stuff, you know? It, Right behind me is my gratitude snowflake. Like I drew that. That's the, the, uh, the quantum 
um, the old uh, sacred geometry, Dr. Emoto, like the power of my regard changes the world around me. You know, the observation of the thing is it's changing. It's, it's happening with every breath. Let every breath praise the Lord. And so if I watch my breath, I can tap in to the connection to everything, the everything, everywhere, every when. And I can get to that through the, through the breath. I was going to say, Brian, that this is when we had talked earlier, this is something that really spoke to me, what, what you're talking about right now. And so much about what we talk about firmamental is, is the media and what they're trying to tell us on the television, right? They're trying to get the masses to believe, to, to see something that they want, they want us to believe is true, right? Like, I feel like if none of us watched the TV, we would, we would never be like terrified, like, like they want us to be, right? Oh yeah. I was watching a thing with Greg Braden yesterday. It's called the missing link. Um, there's two satellites, um, that measure the earth's magnetic field. The biggest spike that they saw and they, they plotted it out was on September 11, 20, uh, 2001. And at nine o'clock, not, not when the buildings actually collapsed, not at the 852 or whatever time it was, but at nine o'clock, it was the largest spike they'd seen in a really long time in the earth's magnetic field. And that was interesting. And he's like, the way that we explained that was it took time to get the story out of the world. But once they did, the whole world's consciousness was being devoted to that place, whether, whether it was wow. fear, whether it was love and, and healing and that, and that stuff. And um, the interesting thing about this, this human experience is often it takes a tremendous tragedy for us to come together. And, and we can look at that at the micro. That's what my story is. This tremendous tragedy at a micro level created this incredible this incredible path you know and then this global tragedy happened and it brought everybody together just for a time so how do we see you know, in that yeah i i actually can attest to this because i think what literally that old saying what doesn't kill you makes you stronger right if you if you if you realize and you actually learn from it and for me that turning point in my life was because i was headed down a path of destruction and I don't want to get into that here, but I just did my whole testimony on the Truth of Faith podcast. So if you guys want to go here, go listen to me on that podcast and you'll hear my story. But without getting into that here, because this is my first time talking to Brian, I had a year in my life. It was just death. And I was, I was masking uh, true grievance with alcohol and cocaine and sex. And, and you know, I thought I was handling it so well, bottling my emotions and not crying. But then I'd go in my room by myself and everybody'd be gone. And like, I'd turn on an old country song and it remind me of my dad because I lost my dad. I lost a 21 year old cousin to brain cancer, a best friend to a heroin overdose of one of my favorite uncles all within like a year. And it was just a horrible time in my life, man. Um, and how old, you know, how old were you for that story, Raul? Oh, I was in my early 30s, man. Or I just turned 30. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, I'm 45 now since so 15 years ago, but it, it, it was a, this period of my life and I, but it was a, it was a make or break point and it was life or death. And thank God for my uncle Tony, he saved my life. He put me on the ranch in the middle of nowhere in Northern, Northern New Mexico, out in the middle of nowhere, no phone, no cell phone, no computer, no nothing, just an old dog, a Bible and a TV, you know what I mean? With, with old VHS tapes of old gangster movies and boxing matches. And that was all it was and long walks in the mountains and coffee on the porch and reading the bible but it brought me back to life and and that was where mm -hmm. i i said i made a conscious decision 
that I'm go- going to change. I'm going to turn my heart to God. I'm going to become a better father. And uh, believe me, I've had my share of struggles and my share of, of, of triumphs and tragedies from then till now, but it's made me who I am today. And I'm grateful for, th- for that experience now. Right. Uh, I love that. I, um, I really can feel the great reset uh, and also the treasure that comes only from the trauma. And it's our treasure from trauma, man. That's deep right there. I like that treasure from trauma. And that's where the world, that's where the world's at now, right? It's like, are we going to turn this trauma, this trauma-based mind control, this trauma-based energy that they're feeding us, that the enemy and his demonic forces on this planet, the powers and principalities that rest in high places, are we going to succumb to this mind-based fear trauma? Or are we going to triumph and find treasure in it? I like that, brother. That's the job, man. Um, it's uh, uh, adopted from Napoleon Hills in every seed of setback, uh, find, uh, in every setback find the seed of equal or greater success, right? But the, the trauma treasure thing really, really did it for me because it's my job to extract the treasure from the bottom of the trauma. They, they're married together. The, the one does not exist without the other unless we don't do the work to make the trauma worth it. Now, there's a great book. It's called Existential Kink. It, um, it basically goes into the Carl Jung, until the subconscious becomes conscious, it will rule our lives and we shall call it fate. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is a principle that I live by. Everything that happens in my life is my responsibility, right? Like the mea culpa. And, and this is edgy too, and I'm going to share this. Yeah. Just stick with me a second. I don't think there's anything such... I don't think a victimless crime exists. And here's kind of what I mean. So let's say, for example, that I'm on the subway in New York City. I carry myself a certain way. I'm not getting attacked. It's never going to happen, right? Uh, I know where to be. I'm looking around. I'm a hard target, right? Now, let's say there was a fair woman who's terrified, right? She's like, I heard all these stories about people getting mugged on the train, and that's the story she's telling herself. She's got the terrified body language. The shark is going to attack the terrified up mm-hmm. in the train, right? Mm-hmm. Same is true with these things. So, if, so how I showed up was I'm unworthy. Okay. Universe was happy to reflect that back. Universe, God, you know, whatever. Like, we're able to have any experience that we want here on this free will experiment. Choose God, choose the devil, choose light, choose dark, choose abundance, choose scarcity. It's up to you. Whatever you want to do, you know? And um, it, it all changed. When I took responsibility, like, this is the way I show up. I show up worried, show up not enough. Of course, that's what's being shown. And it took, it took like eight weeks of eating that meal of like, yeah, I feel unworthy. Ugh. Wow, I, that's kind of exciting. You know, like, 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 there's something really interesting about losing, you know? There's a great movie. It's with uh, Robert De Niro and uh, Matthew McConaughey. It's called Two for the Money. He does this great speech at this Gambler's Anonymous thing. He's like, we're defective. We <laughs> love to lose when you're, you know, when you pucker, right? You love that feeling. And so like, if, if this resonates with any of you that are listening, right? If the, the, like this, the abusive relationship, the not making the sales calls, your business is failing, there's something about it that you really like. Something about it. And like, especially if I was judging what I wasn't supposed to like, like Catholic, shame, guilt, like, yeah. And so 
took eight weeks and I just felt it, like felt it all the way through, just experienced the things that I wasn't like supposed to enjoy. And I did it. And then, and finally, by the end of the eight weeks, like this food doesn't taste like anything, you know, it like lost its thing. And it was a really powerful experience of like, what's actually happening below here? You know, what do I, what do I believe at a subconscious supercomputer level? And, and obviously I believe it because I keep attracting it, right? You keep having the same shitty relationships. It's not their fault. It's mine. It's mine. I keep attracting the same thing, you know? Yeah. So have you managed to learn your lesson? Which lesson? <laughs> you like, like, I, I, I feel like you learn a lesson. You're like, great, you got it. Now we're moving on to the next bigger character in Mike Tyson's punch out. Dude, you got it. Yeah. Next. <laughs> you know, and I, and I get to enjoy the triumph for like 15 seconds. And then it's like, oh, fuck. Like, I got to do this again? Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I'm constantly think, <laughs> thinking that I'm over the self-worth issues. I do something. <laughs> I level up. I, I conquer it. And then what do you know? It sneaks back in. The, the first sign of trouble is like, oh, man, the, the whole worthiness thing. It's like, man, how do we? So that's another reason why I wanted you on here. It's like, this is a great, a great thing to talk about because I know that lots of people out there because the old habits die hard, right? Alex, I love yeah, you, man. Yeah. Thank, thank you for bringing yeah, this yeah. up. Because what you're doing for me right now is this circuit. So why did I wrestle with unworthiness? It's part of the reason is to show up to this con this conversation and have something to share, mm -hmm. right? So, so we extrapolate out the trauma treasure equation. It may not be instantaneous. It may take 12 years to get to the point where like, oh, I know why I went through that, right? So um, the unworthiness. Right. So just imagine for a second that the software is designed to go left away from God. Okay. I am not enough. Fear and all of its minions of shame, guilt, doubt, addiction, all the rest. Like the software is engineered to do that. And the hardware is hardwired for the divinity. So we must then choose to tune this back to the way that our whole structure has been designed. And when we can do that 51% of the time. But when we're choosing divinity more than the unworthiness and the, the, the prison stuff, it all changes, you know, but you get to choose that. And so, so what if, um, okay, I love the feeling I get before I go on stage. It's the same feeling I get before I jump out of an airplane. I used to call that stage fright. And so if I look at stage fright underneath the fMRI brain imagery, the same areas of the brain light up as if it were excitement. Everybody knows that, right? So what if we extrapolate that further? So when unworthiness comes up, what's happening? I like when unworthiness comes up, right? Because now it gives me the opportunity to know that the opposite is also true. The, the polarity, you can't be unworthy and not be precious at the same time, right? So like, like if I was a thermometer, when does cold become hot? When does poor become yeah. rich? When does, right? It doesn't make sense without the other one. Yeah. And, and so if you are present to unworthiness, it's like, oh, I get to, where on this polarity do I get to look? And then what an incredible opportunity for you to decide divinity. You got, here's the other thing that's really cool. Freedom cannot be given. You guys agree with that? Freedom cannot be given. 
yeah, can only be claimed. Yeah. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. And, and the amount of and the amount of freedom is only equal to the amount of self-mastery that we have, right? So as you leveled up with your unworthiness, you're like, my amount of self-mastery when it's, you know, a, a two out of a hundred. Yeah, I got that. I've mastered that. Right. Now start a business, be in a relationship, you know, really go through the forge. Now I'm at level 54. Can I still choose that I'm worthy at that level? Maybe not. You know, that's, that's where I'm dancing, you know, the entrepreneurship, maintaining a relationship, you know, the pain that me going through this causes other people. Cause I could just get a medical sales job again and make 600,000 a year. Right. It's like, well, that's not the mission. Like I'm here for something much bigger than that. You know, can I still choose that I'm, I'm worthy and being on your show is helpful and having these interactions of like, you know, the treasure and the trauma, like, oh yeah. I'm extracting great treasure that if I was comfortable running an agency or medical sales or whatever, I wouldn't have anything to share with you. Nothing. No, I just got back from Cabo. I had a great time. I just bought a new Porsche. Awesome. Those things are great, right? And we get all those trappings too. Yeah, I think about too, and at least just for me and, and, and the way... I look at new challenges and, and, and new places that we want to go. And especially now being on this journey, you know, having a, a podcast that is growing tremendously in the fast and the true community, which I'm super grateful for. And, you know, I've made a promise to the Lord that I'm going to make him a foundation of the show and, and anything earned from this show will be given back to his kingdom, you know, and we ask that his will be done through this. And, and we can talk to all kinds of people. It's not a Christian podcast. We talk about all kinds of things, right? But for myself, I'm always going to profess you know, my core values and what makes me intrinsically me, you know, and I have to give the glory to him because I, I know what I was before and I know how I've been restored and I want other people to walk around in victory. And like, I agree with that, you know, freedom has to be claimed. And for me, I had to really claim my, my faith and own it and not only talk the talk, but walk the walk, you know, and, and it, it, that's where the self-doubt comes in is because we still have tethers to our old past selves and old traumas can come back to haunt us again. But it's like, how do we learn how to deal with these things? And I think that's where people fail in their walk, right? We continue to fall to the same things over and over again because they mask themselves as something new or some new challenge. Well, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just another, it's just another attack. It's just learning to detect that and, and operate in your victory and operate in that authority. And we need to understand, like, if we have, if we have Christ, we have true victory, you know, um, that's why I think like, uh, what is it uh, to fear? Uh, well, oh, I, I heard this tremendous quote today and I'm going to butcher it. No, but to nail it. Yeah. It was like, yeah, right. <laughs> I got to tell myself, uh, I'll come back to it. It'll, it'll hit me when the time is right. But, you know, I'm going to shoot it back to one of you guys, but you un understand where I'm going with this, uh, I think that's the new challenge. And especially like, you know, just like when you think you're learning so much and, you know, doing this show, we research the occult and we, you know, we look at these conspiracy theories and we evaluate them and we try to dig as deep as we can. And, and then you discover this new thing, like, you know, like Hebrew, like biblical cosmology and, you know, the level plane. And, and then you look at like what the secret societies have taught us and you learn about the Rockefeller education system and you like, you're like, wow, I just found out this new thing. And like, wow, I thought I was a black belt in conspiracy before, but now like, look, 
you know, am I a black belt now? And just when you think you got it, something else comes along and the Lord, and the Lord shows you something else. And you're like, oh man, it feels like he's handing you a whole new Rubik's cube. That's even more multidimensional that you got to figure out now. But it, at the same time, that's the, that's the thrill of the journey, right? I don't think we'll ever have all the answers, you know, um, not in this plane. When we leave this and we become our, you know, our everlasting bodies that will live in eternity. I, maybe those revelations come at that time. I hope they do. But I think now, as, as soon as you think you've figured something out, there's something coming along the line that's going to blow your mind even more. I think it's never ending. Yeah. I think it's the myth of Sisyphus. You know, rolling the heavy boulder up the hill. You guys know that story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sisyphus stole from the gods. You know, he came back to Earth for revenge and he fell in love. And he stayed instead of going back down to hell. And, uh, you know, he was condemned to, to roll a very heavy boulder up a steep hill forever. Mm. He found, he found heaven in it. And, uh, wow. we had mentioned this a little bit before the show, right? So my, my teacher, Dr. Robert Grant, he's showing me the sacred geometry. Uh, he said that, um, the secrets of the universe are hidden in plain sight. And all you must do is draw your own geometry. And it, and it could be with the pen and the, and the pencil it could be in the breath, right? That's a, Form of math and geometry, right? There's all, all kinds of ways to get there. But the other thing that he said was this this experiment, this um, this matrix, like an escape room, right? And the and the key to escaping is loving it as it is. And I've wrestled with this a lot, right? Like the Sistine Chapel and the Holocaust, right? Um, the the Louvre and the genocides in, in Africa, same species. How could we do? I don't understand. How could that? How could that be? Right? I'm like wrestling with reality. I don't. I don't love that. And he, and he, and what he said was when the hell alchemizes into the heaven, and nothing on the outside has changed, we will ascend. And I think that's the job. Can we love it as it is? You know, and I think about like Judas and and, and Christ's betrayal. Like, Judas had to do that, you know? Yeah. Part of, part of the story. It was his fate, right? And we watched Phantom of the Opera. You know, the Phantom gets applauded at the end because he played an incredible villain. Or, I had a dream the other night. Not the other night, months ago. And I was, I was in this, like, command center. And I, I, met, I, was, I, called, I met this being wearing a $10,000 suit. Like, I use that to describe who's running the cabal and shadow government and all that stuff. And I met one of these entities and the, his eyes uh, were these uh, black holes, like sucking in light. And my body's like, get the fuck off the X. I'm like, hold on a second. I, I got to do something here. And my buddy, John taught me how to be with energetic attacks, remote attacks, the, you know, those types of things. And I looked him in the eye and I said, thank you. And he said, what? He said, I'm so grateful for you because without you, I wouldn't have a mission. And I watched this being shake and then detonate into trillions of nano nanoparticles. Like the dark energy is so unstable that with a little bit of love, a little bit of gratitude, they cannot exist. I have chills everywhere <clears throat> on that chair. I didn't know I was going to talk about that today. Yeah. 
I think this was your dream, right, Brian? It was my dream. Or were you, uh, or is this, because like uh, one of our last meetings, we had just briefly touched on astro projection, astro traveling. So this, do you think that that was one of those cases? Was it that real or? I, I don't know if I was actually projecting. I mean, it's like one of those training simulations. Like I learned a lot in that at yeah. the very least. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know if what's real, you know, like I sure. felt real. I learned, you know, um, and it's, it's, it changes the way that I show up to life. Can I love this? Yeah. Too? You know? Well, I think that, I think that sometimes the dream state, when you have these really vivid dreams, like that's a very intimate time when there's components of your brain that are open and parts of your, your spirit and soul that are open to another realm that you're not, when you're consciously, when you're consciously awake and walking around with your eyes open, that, you know, there's, that's when God can, God can communicate to you anytime, really, you, you know, but in, in dream state, like look at the visions that God has given his people in dreams and visions, signs and wonders, right? And so I think there's everything about the spiritual realm. I honestly, truly believe is more real than this physical realm that we're in right now. Like more real than this, this table that's right here in front of me, you know, more real than even this skin suit that my, my soul is trapped in. Like this is just, it's going to, I mean, this is such a small blip in like the expanse of eternity. So like, I do believe like when we get these really strong dreams, I mean, where you wake up and you almost kick yourself out of bed or where you get attacked because I've been attacked by demonic entities in my sleep, you know, and I've had to rebuke them in the Lord's name and they flee, you know, and that's how God's revealed his power to me too. And it's happened to me in dream state. <laughs> it's happened to me through the experiences of hallucinogenics. It's happened to me in prayer. It's happened to me in church services where I couldn't, I couldn't clear my mind and I'm trying to focus on what is being taught and there's some kind of mental block and I have to push through it, you know, and it's happened to me in the physical realm, you know, and I'm not going to get into this here, but dude, we got, uh, in 2017, my woman and my best friend on his land in Northern New Mexico, we had, a, what I can only call as a giant mothership UFO entity roll up on us. And it was the terrifying experience. Like you said, staring into the abyss and it was entrancing but it was horrifying at the same time and when i spoke in god's authority is when this thing went away you know and that just proved the majesty and power of his name and he is who he says he is you know and i don't question god's authority anymore because he's revealed it to me and and only a fool would would deny that you know like to see that power displayed in front of you and for him to rescue me in these moments you know like, but that you're right, man, that, that spiritual realm, that, that state that you're in when you're asleep or in the, or in a meditative state, like in these places that you're going, I think they are just as real, if not more real than this physical right here. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, I think it's interesting, uh, you know, spending some time with, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer's CE5 meditations and I haven't got to see, I, I I've seen some interesting light things. I've experienced beings like the way my sense works is I, my heart sense feels things 
um, really accurately of vibration and color and you know, that it's not color, but like there's like a temperature to it, you know? And um, um, if, if we're terrified of these extra dimensional, extra temporal beings, they leave, you know, they respect the rules of, of this free will space. And so as you're listening to this and there's things happening in your life that you don't like, part of me is condoning it, right? Part of you is condoning it. And, and, and I share that with you because the, the phrase, because it is my will. Like I decide to go in the 59 degree ice bath because it is my will, right? I decide to do the work today because it is my will. I, I decide, you know, to be a man of agency and extra. You know, and an even cheekier version is like, ask me why I want that. Because I said so. Like, like that, that level. You, you want to be a follower of Christ and live your life that way. Because I said so. You know, as, as it is spoken, so it shall be. That the Chinese have a really powerful word. Wusa is done. The, the Wusa frequency and intentionality obliterates cancer tumors. Oops, I said that in the United States and the FDA doesn't like that type of language because they don't get paid millions of dollars for sound healing anyway great that's why I, you're I have a fear that's right i feel safe here i can let my hair down a little bit uh the aborigines i'm sure you guys are aware of this um when they sleep that's the reality when they're in the dream state that's real life when they're awake they regard that as the the dream state and so have you ever gone a long period of time without sleeping? Yeah. Yeah. What's the longest you've ever gone? I've never gone more than 36 hours of sleep. Mine is 23 hours, and it's amazing how much your brain hurts at, at that point. Yeah, uh, so that's, that's... Yeah. I want to say I've, I've done three days with no sleep, and it's, you know, I was experimenting with drugs at the time, and I don't need to say what kind, but, uh, you know, that, I was that, I, I deprived of myself. Yeah, it sounds like sounds like there was a method to your madness. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, so the theory is like we need to sleep, right? Like eight hours a night or six hours. Like the days that I am most filled with life, like on fire, I need like four hours of sleep, right? And so, so maybe it isn't the sleep. Maybe it's the connection of the brainal column to source, right? Well, like what if the brain and nervous system was actually an antenna? And we get to like connect from the simulation back to our source energy, right? Mm -hmm. And so it'd be interesting to run an experiment where like if you don't sleep for days, but you do high quality binaural beats, Monroe Institute style, where you kept connect back into the everything, everywhere, every every time. And see how long you go without sleep that way. That's not an experiment I want to run. So if somebody's got time and wants to do that, I think that would be fascinating. I'm not running that one. I've been, I've been messing with dry fasting and I did a 48 hour, no water experience. And that was like sweat lodge. The veil got really skinny thin, and, and, uh, it's just, it's just so neat to remember, like, this is the illusion, right? They, I'm not good enough. They, I'm not worthy. And yet we are tuned for divinity and, and we get to choose. We get to choose what we do with it, right? Like I didn't, I didn't know I consciously chose my experience in Iraq and what happened since and those things. But like looking back on it, the choices that I made to make sense of the story with my dad in the book and um, 
you know, those, those types of things. It's feels very full circle, you know? Mm. So if you're in that, if you're going through it right now and it feels heavy and it's like, you know, suicide sounds good. You know, you have the right to that. You know, if you decide you want to leave early, by all means, you know, you have agency. I'm not saying you should leave, right? That's not, not what I'm saying. But like, stick around. Like, there's a tremendous amount of treasure. Like, Raul, when you, when you said in your 30s, you lost everybody. Like, my trauma started 22, you know? And I, I left the Navy at 28. And now the work I'm doing is veteran transition stuff. So had I gotten what I wanted, I would have been a dev guru. I did 20 years, decorated war hero. I would have started this journey now, you know? And um, there's 12 years worth of experience already. So did I leave early or did I leave on time to learn what I'm actually here to do, which is to help men get back into their hearts, you know, start dreaming again and, um, you know, acting with um, coherence with our dharma you know, the greatest good for the greatest amount of people that gives us the greatest amount of pleasure. Like that is, that's possible. But it, it comes on the other side of the gatekeeper, which is uncomfortable, fear, shame, guilt, addiction, you know, the, the gatekeepers. So what if when the resistance shows up, you're like, oh goody, I get to practice. You know, I just drew 350 on the bar. I'm going to go do three repetitions with it. Never felt sorry for myself in that. Why is that any different from the heart? Where the Dharma karma reps, you know? What if we yeah. wrote that story of like, oh, I get the train today. Oh, it's heavy. I'm having a bad day. Good. Get another day. You know, get another opportunity to practice and get to level 55 if you were at level 54 yesterday, you know? And it's never, never ending, it seems. And we get to practice the alchemy of heaven, of hell to heaven, and nothing on the outside has changed. Like, that's just such a profound way to live life. You know, hmm. I think one of my big takeaways tonight is when you're saying like when those feelings of un unworthiness come up, it's it's that it's actually an opportunity to recognize that that I'm feeling this, but uh, you know, deep in my heart, I know that I am actually worthy of it. So maybe I, it's the actual opposite feeling that I am having. Like the the old the old way of thinking is to not feel worthy, but the new you know, the new me, the leveled up me, level 54 version of me realizes that I am worthy uh, of this. It's, it's just, you know, the old habit of thinking that I'm not. And I, I like that I, the idea that the two can both exist. It's just a matter of me choosing my will to choose which one I feel. Oh, chills, man. Chills everywhere when you said it. That felt really powerful. Yeah. And as I said it, my heart just lit up too. So I'm like, holy yeah, shit, this is huge. Yeah. Very powerful. Yeah. That was, a, that was a truth bomb that just got flushed out in this podcast. I've never said that out loud before, so thank you guys. Um, I was thinking yeah. about um, a dope. So in, in the marksmanship world, dope actually is an acronym. It stands for data on previous engagements. So every time we interact with the enemy, let, let's say you have a porn addiction, right? And, and um, you, know, you start to learn, hey, I don't really want to be doing that all the time. Right. Well, what's the cost? Well, for me, it's lonely. When I feel lonely, that becomes my drug du jour. You know, I'm speaking this out loud, um, safe space, sharing that with you. I'm vulnerable, right? Like, there's a time when I would never have shared that, right? And once we share out loud the things that we held 
previously in the basement. It's like a vampire. When you expose it to the sunlight, it loses its hold over us, you know, and now I have yeah. chills everywhere, right? And so even if I fail, right, like even if I end the show and, you know, I, I go use my drug du jour, I'm going to learn something about why, right? And so even if I lost the skirmish, I'm going to win the war because every time I get a little bit smarter about how the enemy works, right? Uh, my subconscious, maybe, maybe the enemy, maybe, maybe it's the, the Prince of Darkness, right? And, and it's this epic you know, metaphysical war that's happening on and around us uh, always, right? Um, but the idea that our victory is inevitable, right? So, so Raul, you, you mentioned plant medicine. I imagine you've experienced oneness. Why the fuck did we choose to come here? Like, it's hard here. Cold, it's lonely. You know, there's a lot of worry here. Why would we have left? Like, we chose. We chose this, you know? Yeah. The only reason that makes sense to me why we would have left paradise is because our victory was inevitable. Your victory is inevitable. Yeah. I think that too, we have to, we have to experience pain to, to better appreciate the pleasures. You know, like if you just lived in this beautiful oasis with no pain or suffering and, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that people, this is a, this is something that I always tell people that, 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 that have, uh, animosity or, or, or hold anger in their hearts, you know, towards God. And, you know, they blame God for everything bad that's happened in their life. And, you know, and, and, and people talk to me, you know, sometimes, you know, hey, cause I, I've really been stepping out. I'm really bold about stepping out and I'm not scared to pray for total strangers. You know, I'll do it at work. I, obviously you know, they'll do it. Like I, I pick and choose like where I do it and I make sure that I'm wise about it. I make sure the person's comfortable with it. But when I feel compelled to like pray for somebody or talk to somebody about the Lord, like I'm, I'm pretty bold, you know, and I don't let my sin from the previous night stop me when I feel like it's the Lord, you know, and the Holy spirit asking me to do this work. Right. I just go and do it because I feel compelled to, and I listen to that voice and that's where the magic happens. Right. And if I was listening to that seed of self doubt that got planted the night before, and I didn't do that, what, what I felt the Holy Spirit was leading me to do, then I could have withheld the blessing that could help somebody turn a certain quarter in their life. So that's the way I look at this. And when I talk to people about, when I talk to people about God, you know, and they say, well, the, why did this happen? And why did that happen? You know, and, you know, of course I let them know about the free will and I let them know about the human experience and I let them know, you know, I reassure them that, you know, death is not the end of the journey. But I also say, well, what's the lesson that we learned from this? And, and, you know, and, and pray, pray about it. And they like, well, you know, prayer doesn't work or, you know, I, I've tried prayer and I said, prayer, all prayer works, you know, but if you, and some people say, why, well, I, 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 yeah, what, what are you praying for? But, you know, you, it, you have to ask to receive first off, like, it's just like your kid when they're little, you know, if you have children, um, they don't know how to communicate verbally until they get to a certain age. But they still have a way of letting you know that they need something, right? That way is crying or, or throwing a fit, you know? We get older too. We do the same thing as human beings, like as we get older. But we don't ask. We just throw these temper tantrums like we're still, you know, like we don't use language. Well, God has a language that he wants us to use with him, right? And he wants us to ask for things. And the thing is, we, a lot of the times when we pray, 
we're, we're praying for selfish reasons. We're praying because we want something for ourselves or we're praying out of fear because, oh God, please don't, you know, my dad's in the hospital, please don't let him die. Or, you know, we're, we're, we're not praying for, I've learned to be prayerful through the suffering and be grateful for the suffering and be in praise. And like right now with all that's going on in the world, I've never felt more connected to God than ever before. You know, with all the scum craziness that we've been through with the pandemic and now, you know, the holy war with, you know, in Israel and all this stuff. And, you know, I, I, I look at it as this, this point, like we were the generation of, that was chose to come here, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, like God answers all your prayers. He just doesn't answer them the way you want him to. He wants you to learn something, but he's answered all your prayers. As soon as you say it, it's already answered. You got to wait to receive that blessing. You got to be patient. It's going to come. You're going to have perseverance, but you need to talk first. You need to open your mouth and understand that you're worthy for the blessing. But sometimes when you're going through these things, it's because he's trying to teach you something. If you can get through this, the blessing is just on the other side, but you're stopping yourself from receiving that blessing every time you get close, you know? I love it. I want to share a couple of things with what you just shared. The first thing you said was... um, uh, I'm not scared, right? Um, I'm tuning the fear words out of my vocabulary. So said that another way, how could you say that without the word not in that sense? I have no fear. As That's a negative. How can you say that in a positive tense? Like the thing that comes to me is I'm courageous in my faith. Right? There you go. So I don't want my dad to die of cancer. We're praying for cancer. The subconscious mind doesn't understand the word not. So most of us never really learned how to pray. We pray like slaves and we beg for what we want. What we're actually sending out in the world is that feeling of lack or scarcity or sickness or the thing that we don't want. We give that all its energy. And it's not the words. It's the felt sense of I need more money. That all already. I just have to receive it. There's a great book. It's called Parallel Universe of Self. We can have anything we want as long as we already have it. What does that mean? In my mind's eye, when my eyes are closed and I'm connected to the source, I already have my sailboat. I have the life of my dreams. It's already there, right? And the more time I can spend and matching that vibration, the faster it will show up. So a lot of people, you know, long suffer. They wait for the answer to their prayers. They're praying for the opposite thing. They're in worry all the time. They're you know scared about what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow hasn't happened yet. What do you have right now? You don't have enough money for rent tomorrow. You sell the roof today. I'm so grateful I have that. So what we have, we get more, right? Mm-hmm. And um, as you were talking, I wrote down gratitude or fear. Pick one. Yeah, you know, gratitude you know? all day. Yeah, gratitude all day. And the other thing I want to share too is the story of the silversmith. You guys know how to make silver pure? Have you heard this? I don't know. We got to heat up silver to get the impurities out of it. The black flex, right? And it needs to be heated. But if you overheat it, you burn it, right? Mm-hmm. So too much heat for too long, it wrecks the entirety of the silver. The guy to silversmith will never burn us as, as the silver. He knows exactly the heat and for the duration. So, so therefore, these lessons are happening in the kindest way they could possibly happen for us to learn the lesson and become the men and women of our dreams. Mm. So if you're going through it right now, it's happening in the kindest way possible. 
Yeah, I like that too. And I like the whole concept of praying in authority and, and not a slave mentality. I can see exactly. Command, com- command yeah. it, right? So yeah. Ben Braden in, in The Missing Links, I was just studying this over the weekend. He's a computer programmer, right? Computer programmed to change the quantum field, right? That's how the Wusaw works. So it's the declaration of what the program is going to do. This is a prayer of thanksgiving. This is a prayer of gratitude. This is a prayer for healing. This is a prayer for abundance, right? And, and, the, and the prayer, God, thank you so much. Thank you for the abundance in my life, the richness of experience, the journey that I've come to to acquire this wisdom. Thank you. I command me to be a man of extra. I have abundance and I get to share it to do more of your will. Put the people in my path that I am meant to serve with my knowledge, with my tools, with my resources, with my tribe. And then the Aramaic in this is fascinating. It's the uh, al Aluim, Amen, Amen. That means in truth and faith and trust. Usa, it is done. And once again, I have chills. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't learn how to pray like that. The highest concentration of churches are the most impoverished areas. Why? Because we're not teaching people how to pray. We're not teaching people how to bring in more of what they want. The praying for the poverty and the worry and the sickness that they have. And they give all that attention. I don't want to be scared anymore. Good, you're going to be scared a lot more than I'm courageous. I have everything I need. I'm abundant. Thank you. Right? It's huge. You know, I, as soon as you hear that, there's like no put the genie back in the bottle. Prayer with them. Yeah. The same. Yeah, it's, a, it's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing to download it into your subconscious and believe it and, and work with it on a daily basis. And I, I think us shedding light on this today and, and hopefully everybody listens to this episode multiple times just because there's so many, mm. there's so many takeaways. And yeah, just because you hear it once doesn't mean that it actually, you know, is embedded in you and you're, cause I've been reading, um, the hermetic principles for a long time now. And it's not that they're that complicated. It's just a matter of understanding them and, and figuring out how to use them properly. Right. Yeah, which law do I need right now? And sometimes, you know, using the law of rhythm or the law of correspondence, like, mm-hmm. what does it apply? You know? And then, um, Raul, you said something about sin. I was listening to Aubrey Marcus grieving his father. The role of the son is to perfect the life of the father, right? And um, they did some plant medicine and uh, they were talking about sin and how, how at the end, uh, the understanding that you know, when we're judged, and we're like, God, this is all my sins. And he'll look at us and say, what sins? What sins? You came here to learn. You came here to learn and you did, you know, you did a thing and it hurt somebody. We're not going to do that again. And so every road takes us there. There are no mistakes. So even the mistake is part of the triumph, right? And again, we're back to polarity, you know, to go from the darkness to light, the sin to the triumph, right? There. It's all, it's all part of the experience. You know, it's all about, you know, what we, I believe it's what we came here to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I believe that's a, that's what our, that's what our journey is as sperma mentalists and starting this movement and starting this show and getting gentlemen like you on and, and dropping, you know, these gems of knowledge. But I'm looking at the world, like it's all about perspective, right? 
And we're being presented with this imagery of this world that we live in. And we, we guys like us have come to this understanding, men like us have come to this understanding that it's just a facade. It's just a mirage. And we, we're creating the world that we want to live in. And so many people are just being victimized by the mirage that they're being shown. They're succumbing to that and their, their, their whole mentality and all the energy and even their prayer life and the way they operate in a daily their daily activities is is based off of this mirage that's being that that's being fed to their to their vision field right Mm -hmm. their field of vision whether whether it's physical vision or whether it's spiritual vision but they're they're falling to this deception and guys like us we're like realizing like no we can create like the world could change instantaneously if everybody understand they have the power to change it within themselves it's just as simple as like hey i could take this I could take this and throw it out my window and people are like, well, what does it matter? I'm just one person. But if everybody on the planet has that, we're living in a trashy world, right? Or you can save that weight and, and, and recycle it or, you know, it's that same mentality. I tell people you do affect. And I said, stop worrying about the things you can't control. That's what I've been telling people. Like everybody's like, oh, the world's so dark and they're blaming God. I'm like, we've created all this mess for ourselves. That's what I was getting into earlier. And I was like, we want to blame God for all these problems. Like we can change it right now. We just haven't been listening to the voice of God because it's that little voice that we've been turning out and we've been listening to the enemy's voice, which is shouty. And if you just turn that down and focus on what you can control and let go of what you can't. And that's why, like, I got wrapped up in it in 2020 with the pandemic and the election. And I'm telling you what, I'm not getting wrapped up in it this next election cycle. I'm not playing that right and left bull crap. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get sucked in this political arena. I'm not going to feed my energy into that. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to put my faith in Christ alone. I'm not going to put my faith in some man to come save me, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to work on my life and being the best person that I can be and have the most positive interactions with the people that I come into contact as if presented in front of me. And that's what I mm. can control. And I'm going to start there. And once we start there, and if everybody just kind of hit that reset button and just try to make the best decisions as they come up and stop worrying about all the things that they can't control. And we all just started consciously like, boom, the world could change overnight, but people are just fed. They're just sucked into this matrix. Well, and they're, yeah. You know, so according to Bob Proctor, 1% of the population thinks for themselves. Congratulations. If you listen to the Fermented podcast, good chance you're the 1%. 4% think they think for themselves, right? And then 95% of the population would rather die than think for themselves. Like, does this sheep and they will be slaughtered, right? You choose wisely. Um, Raul, your share there was incredible. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. As I listen to that, like, where in my life am I using the word not? Right? I don't yeah. want this, right? That, that seems to be um, front and center. To change the word, change the life. Right. So if you're using the word, I don't want this anymore. And I'm not settling for this. I'm not going to play into the election. I'm not, I'm not, I am. It's that's actually what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying energetically to the universe. Right. And then he said, I, I will work on it. Right. And um, yeah, so just remember the the positive tense affects the field in the way that we want it to. Otherwise, we get the opposite, right? Um, there's a good story from Bob Proctor. So what's the, so what's the way to restate that? Like in the, you know, with the, with what I would call what you're kind of getting at is kingdom talk, right? Like, you know, it's kind of like what we've been learning with the uh, American state nationalism. It's like learning your God given rights 
and learning about the corporation and separating yourself from the corporation and their authority and understanding your inalienable God-given rights. It's kind of the same thing. You can't talk like a lawyer until you really learn their lingo. So what you're talking about is learning the lingo of the kingdom. So what's another way yeah. to say that? I'm sovereign. Yeah. I am well, sovereign. I'm saying like, instead of saying like, I'm not going to feed into the, the energy of the upcoming election. Like, what's another way to say yeah. that? Like, Great. Um, I choose love. We are love. Yeah. Whatever happens, it, it's perfect. Right? Even if it's divided, it's, yeah. it's unfolding exactly the way that it's meant. Can I love it? I can love that. Separating the wheat from the chaff, right? It has exactly. to happen. So Bob, Bob tells a story and uh, you were born rich. I love this, uh, this journey and shout out to little Bob before I came on. I'm glad there's some Bob going to be in the show. Mm -hmm. He tells a story about this little boy. He throws the baseball up and he swings the baseball bat. He misses. Strike one. Does it again. Throws it up. Misses. He does it a third time and he throws it up. He misses a third time, but without missing a beat, he goes, dang, I'm a better pitcher than I thought. <laughs> I just, it's just so powerful. How do you choose to look at what's happening? I'm a failure? Mm. No, it's part of the lesson. You know what I mean? And I, I just want to kind of end with this. Palo Universe of Self really does a great job in articulating we get what we resonate with, right? And so if I'm in my bedroom, and I smile at the mirror and I see the smile. Did the mirror smile first or did I? You did. I think it's simultaneous. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember with that. I led, I led the smile, right? The mirror's not doing yeah. that on its own. It just gives me however I showed up, right? Yeah. And so if we're saying things, if I'm saying things like, I will do this when the money shows up, like I will, I will be wealthy when I get the money. It's like asking the mirror to smile first. It doesn't work like that. Mm. You know, so how do we want to be beside that? You know, taking a vow of happiness was really powerful. It is powerful. So no matter what happens, I can be happy. I can choose love. No matter what happens on the outside, I get another opportunity to go from level 45 to 55 or 50, 56. Hey, hey, the election was unjust. Great. Perfect. We've got more work to do. Great. Let's fix it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, perfect. We get to we get to show that this is in fact corrupt. You know, let's go to work. Mm, I'm a better yeah. pitcher. I'm a I'm a better pitcher than I thought. Yeah, I feel that. I love that. Before we let you go, uh, Brian, I just wanted to say this one thing because um, the last time that you and I met with my wife, it was a very powerful experience, and one of the gems that we dug up, and maybe it'll lead into a part two if you if you bless us with your presence again on another episode but the alchemist's journey the alchemist's journey of fusing our, our human experience with that of the divine realm from where we came combining the human and the divine i thought this is this is something big so if you can write me a book on that that'd be pretty cool thanks yeah i'll get i'll get right on it i'm actually working on it it's uh, the title of the next book is called it always works out so real quick before uh before we wrap this up again uh brian um go ahead and let the people know about where they can where they can find you uh you know is your book for sale you know whatever you want to leave them with in a final word of word from yourself yeah um wrote a book called your secret superpower tame fear to thrive you can grab a copy of that on amazon just type in brian b-r-i-a-n muka M-U-K-A in uh, the Amazon search bar comes right up. 
I uh, wrote that for you. And then um, social media wise, I'm on LinkedIn. You want to send me a message there? That would be cool. And then I think my email address, Brian at Freedom Shirt without me. If you liked what you heard, let me know that. If you got questions. So if you didn't like, let me know that. I can be with that too. That's all perfect. So thanks for the uh, the time and the space. You guys, you guys are really helping me on my journey, right? So the um, both gold and wisdom need to be shared. And if we hoard them, we shall be punished. So I'm going to... The student must become the teacher, and um, you guys are helping me become the teacher of a way. It's not the only way. I'm not a guru, those things, but I found a way that's working for me, and, and it's my open intention that you can find your own divine breath, you find your own divine path, and here's a couple principles now, some more paint that you have to pay your life's masterpiece. That's my, that, is, that is my will for this, for this show. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us, you know, and like the, you know, like the Lord said himself, he said, you know, his people perish from lack of knowledge. So just always seek that, you know, um, and start from within yourself and understand you have the power to, to change the world around you. And it comes from that supreme source. And, uh, we love you guys. Feel free to reach out to us with any comments, anything, you know, uh, go check out Brian's work. And we appreciate you guys. Protect your dome. We'll see you next time. How do we find ourselves here within these walls and chains as a teardrop lands? Who is there to blame?
till skies turn.